think we all have moments like that. Yeah. We have these line in the sand moments. You, you have the willingness and the motivation to make a change, but you have to be paying attention. It was like this switch got flicked and I knew deep down somehow I was going to find a way to the starting line of this race, even though it made zero logical sense. Hey folks, this is Mark Devine. Welcome back to the Unbeatable Mind Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. Really super appreciate it and never take it for granted. I know you got uh, tons and tons of things to do with your precious time. And the fact that you spend even a moment uh, with me and our guest is a huge honor. So super appreciate that. And if you do find value in the podcast, then um, my mantra lately has been to ask you to go rate it on iTunes so that other people can find it. Cool. So I'm excited. Third time's a charm. Uh, I've had a couple of boarded attempts, Rich, to get you on this podcast. Uh, and uh, mostly my technical ineptitude has led us to have to reschedule twice. And here we are. So my guest today is Rich Roll, uh, who is uh, an amazing guy. Like He's a speaker and an author and an ultra um, endurance athlete, uh, Stanford graduate, Cornell graduate, competitive swimmer. I mean, the list goes on, Richard. I love it. And uh, also a yogi and a vegan. So uh, we have a lot of interesting similarities and also uh, obviously some things that are different. But nice to meet you. Yeah. Super nice to meet you, Mark. Uh, like I said just before we started recording, I've been following uh, what you've been doing for a while now That's and cool. really appreciate uh, everything that you're putting out in the world. And it's a pleasure and an honor to speak to you and connect with your audience. I appreciate that. Yeah, we're super stoked to learn more about what makes you tick and and some of um, the things that are, are interesting to you. Now, um, one of the things that jumped out of me when I read um, Allison, who's, you know, my Uber podcast person who helps me with everything, uh, is that you're an, you, you are an entertainment attorney, which makes mm-hmm. sense. You live in L.A., so you never broke away from L.A. But so you, you were up there in that industry and then you, um, you obviously made a pretty dramatic shift. So tell us about like who was Rich Roll as an entertainment? How did you get into that? You know, what was your life like? Back in those days. Yeah, sure. So uh, I was always interested in entertainment. Went to law school at Cornell, had worked right. at a couple law firms in New York City, was a lawyer in San Francisco for a while, moved down to Los Angeles to pursue entertainment law. And kind of as a, as, as a backdrop or some foundation for the story, I'm also a recovering alcoholic. And I got sober at 31. And that was shortly after I'd moved to Los Angeles. And I think that experience, you know, I ended up in rehab for 100 days, which is a pretty long time to be in rehab. But that was an experience that really kind of shifted my perspective on how I was living my life and gave me a toolbox for a new approach to, you know, how to pursue a a meaningful sort of existence in our Mm -hmm. short time here on planet Earth. And Mm -hmm. in the wake of that experience, I kind of went back into the world. I was somebody who had you know, a lot of promise as a young person. I kind of had the world, you know, by the tail and I screwed up a lot of stuff. You know, I created a lot of havoc and a lot of wreckage mm-hmm. and as a result of my drinking and using. So when I got out of rehab, 
I was very intent on, on getting back on track and, you know, on the, on the track of pursuing the American dream. Mm -hmm. And I did that with abandon, you know, I became a workaholic and I just threw myself into my career, Mm. you know, chased the corporate ladder and, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I was successful in that regard, you know, it was sort of like an eight year overnight success story of repairing my life and becoming a productive, functional member of society. But, you know, sobriety, as I sort of sort of got more immersed in the principles of sobriety, I started to realize that this career path that I'd chosen for myself was really kind of at odds with, you know, who I was starting to become. Mm -hmm. And so I guess you could say I was having a little bit of an existential crisis about, you know, what I was doing with myself. Meanwhile, during this, you know, eight years of being a workaholic, I really overlooked my health and my fitness. And, you know, I'd been a swimmer at Stanford. Um, I was a bench warmer on that team. I was by no means a star, but I was pretty good. I was like a world ranked and, and, you know, you know, fairly, fairly good swimmer. And that was my life. But when college was over, that was over. And right. so by the time I was 39, I was a basic, you know, couch potato, fast food addict, hurtling into middle age on a crash course with lifestyle disease. I was depressed, unenthusiastic about this life that I thought that I wanted and was realizing was not giving me the satisfaction that I thought that it would. And and kind of all of these things came to a head shortly before I turned 40 when late one night I went to walk up my staircase to my bedroom and I was defeated by a simple flight of stairs. Like I had to pause halfway up and I was Mm. winded, out of breath and I had tightness in my chest and, and it scared me, you know, and I really it was a it was a very discreet, specific moment where I realized I needed to change how I was mm-hmm. living. And and that change needed to be drastic, immediate and specific. Mm-hmm. And I think I was able to kind of recognize the power of that moment because it was very similar to the day that I woke up and decided today's the day I'm going to get sober and go to rehab. Right. I was thinking so, the same thing. Those are, those are very similar moments, right? those inflection. Points. Yeah. I mean, I think we all have moments like that. Yeah. We have these line in the sand moments, these right. sort of cracks in the door where the stars align and you you have the willingness and the motivation to make a change, but you have to be paying attention, you know, Mm -hmm. because I'd had that other moment, I was able to recognize, oh, this is happening again Mm -hmm. and I need to act because if I don't act right away, it'll just, I knew it would pass and I would just go back to doing what I was doing. This is interesting. Um, So what's coming to me is like, okay, so you you went extreme into alcohol and drugs and then until you hit a wall and uh, or a door cracked open. Right. And that was the recovery. Mm -hmm. And then you went into an extreme in your professional career until you hit a wall. Uh huh. And then now you've gone into an extreme fitness right ultra endurance running multiple marathon uh, ironman and you know is this an, is there another wall coming for you uh, uh first of all are you saying that there's a theme to my life there's Mark? a theme <laughs> just put it yeah. together it didn't take me that long yeah 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 well i think i think for a long time like i definitely i'm prone to extremes i'm attracted to extremes i'm attracted to the outer perimeter of right. you know human capability and 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 i push myself really hard and for a long time i think I tried to reel it in, you know, we're all told you have to live a life of balance and why can't you just be balanced? But at some point along the way, I just realized like this is how I'm hardwired. Yeah, right. And it became, you know, a quest to try to find healthy avenues to, you know, channel that energy that just mm-hmm. is the fabric of who I am. So, yeah, you know, I I was extreme in changing my diet and then I was extreme in pursuing ultra endurance, but those were 
you know, extremes that improved my life and right. expanded my horizons and, and extremes, right? yeah, connected me with, with who I think I really am and, and have led me to this place where I have the great fortune of being able to speak to you. So I think, you know, it's fair to say, you know, I'm, I'm an addict through and through and, uh, <laughs> and I always will be. So for me, it's about trying to find ways to, you know, channel that energy in, in a healthy way. So yeah, I wonder if, you know, most people in our Western society aren't addicts in some way. You know what I mean? We're addicted to distraction. We're addicted to media. Right? We're addicted to negativity. Right. There's no, there's no question about that. There's no question. We're addicted to food. You know, the way we use food to modulate and regulate our emotions, mm -hmm. shopping, television, gambling, Facebook, you know, you name it. I think we all have, it's a spectrum, but I think we all have that tendency to, fixate on things that take us out of whatever we're experiencing in the moment. That's right. So, so that's, that's it right there. That, that's the, the holy grail is the human mind is addicted to being everywhere but here. Right. right. And so it's going to chase after the, whatever distraction du jour or whatever, you know, it is that, that, uh, you know, tends to, to consume your attention. Wow. That's pretty profound. You know, the other thought that came to me, and I, this is something I'd like to kind of pursue, is, you know, we could say that, you know, running an ultra marathon is extreme, but once you run 10, you know, it becomes normal. Right? So, mm -hmm. so it might be extreme to someone who is sitting on the couch still, but, you know, for you, it's a new normal. And that's, you know, so I have that same experience in the SEAL teams. You know, for me, BUDS, you know, became normal. Navy SEAL training and the relentlessness of it became the new normal. And so um, mm -hmm. it allowed us to, you know, as a team to do things that were uncommon. And so I think that's a really interesting thing to think about uh, for the listeners is, you know, if you if you um, change the paradigm and you do something extreme until it becomes normal, then then you become uncommon you know, compared to everyone else. <laughs> And, yeah, there's and, no but question no, about but that. But it doesn't I mean think, you're any more special than them. It just means you're you're doing things a little bit differently, right? Right. I mean, I think that's absolutely correct. And I, I think we all, to some extent, you know, tend to sleepwalk through certain portions of our lives, right. and it takes, you know, it, it, you know, an extreme experience can shock you out of that and realize that we're all sitting on top of you know tremendous untapped reservoirs of potential mm -hmm. just laying dormant and waiting to be more fully expressed and and the more we can all kind of come into some level of cognizance about mm -hmm. that and that that's different for everybody you know what that looks like specifically right. but you know to to understand that we are capable of so much more than than we allow ourselves to believe is is very powerful and you know, of course, as you know, with the experiences that you've had, you know, is esteem building and, and spills over into every aspect of, of who you are and how you choose to live your life. Right. Precisely. So when you were walking up those stairs and you had that, you know, your second come to Jesus moment, um, how did you go from there to basically, I mean, most people would be like, I've got to get out and, you know, do some walking or, you know, I've got to go to the gym or something. And, and you just went right and ran an ultra marathon i think something like that yeah i mean it it, it wasn't quite that immediate it, it was probably it yeah i mean it kind of <laughs> seems like it all happened right away uh, in in truth and reality it was probably a two-year process okay. before, it was yeah it was two years before i did my first ultra which is the ultraman world championships it's a double ironman distance race but you know the first steps were you know one step forward two steps back the first thing i tried to do was was 
master nutrition mm-hmm. and I made a lot of false steps and missteps. I did a, I did a juice cleanse and, and that was kind of a revelatory experience of trying to go without solid food for a period of a week. And on the seventh day of that experience, I felt, I felt terrible the whole week, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know that I would recommend anybody try it or do it, but the seventh day I felt amazing mm-hmm. and it struck me you know, just how amazing the human body is. If you shift one thing, how different you can feel in such a short period of time. Mm -hmm. And then I just conducted an experiment on myself to try to find a way of eating that would allow me to feel that good all the time. And I tried on a a lot of hats and tried a lot of different things and, and kind of played it out as far as I could and wasn't really finding anything that was working for me. And I Decided to try a 100% plant-based diet, like no animal products, no dairy, no eggs, no fish, no cheese, nothing, um, really as a last resort. <laughs> you know, it wasn't mm-hmm. like I was excited about it. It mm-hmm. sounded really severe and very limiting, but I tried everything else. And my experience with that was that it just agreed with me completely. Mm-hmm. Within within a week of, of changing to that, I, just, I felt like I did on that last day of the juice cleanse. Mm. And, and I just went from there and started to educate myself and, and it really restored my vitality and, and, you know, repaired my body pretty swiftly and improved my sleep and my mental acumen and everything, everything was enhanced as a result of making this switch. And that really gave me the energy to, for the first time, I was excited about the idea of going outside and getting fit again, which is something that I hadn't experienced in a long time. And I just started thinking a lot about you know, the limits that I'd put on myself. And, and I started to think about, about how resilient the human body, mind, and spirit really is, mm-hmm. you know, because in a relatively short period of time, I'd switched things up so dramatically and felt so differently. And my body was looking different and everything seemed to be operating at a higher level. And I started to think, well, what else am I not looking at? Like where, where, where are the outer ed- edges of, of my capabilities? And I became obsessed with trying to explore that and and find that for myself really less from a perspective of athletic performance than from a perspective of trying to reconnect with who I am you know like in as I said I was having this existential crisis I had these questions about what I was supposed to be doing and you know ultra endurance is a really great template for exploring that because it just strips you down as I'm sure Bud does to who you really are like you can't hide from yourself and so that process of just training um, did that for me and taught me a lot about who I am and, and you know, what makes me happy and, and what I want to express. Mm-hmm. Did you have a struggle with uh, just being an, a plant-based diet with that workload? I mean, how did you maintain your energy and get enough fat in your system and all that kind of stuff? I, I really didn't. I mean, I, I think that it actually benefited me um, tremendously. It's a very, you know, the foods that I was eating and continue to eat are very anti-inflammatory and reparative and very nutrient dense. And I was being, I was able to bounce back very quickly mm-hmm. and progress quite rapidly from couch potato to Ultraman. And, and, you know, my condensed really intense period of training for that was about seven months. Mm. You know, and I went from somebody who'd never run a marathon or, you know, had never even done a half Ironman to being able to do Ultraman. And I credit the way that I was eating uh, and fueling myself as being able as, as, as a crucial component in that mm. success equation. Mm. But, 
you know, I did a lot of smoothies in the Vitamix where you can cram tons and tons of food <laughs> into something and drink it, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and as far as fats, you know, lots of nuts, seeds and avocados, uh, coconut oil in my smoothies, things like that. But just really getting lots of whole foods in my body. And, you know, I'm not a low carb person. I eat a lot of potatoes and rice and quinoa and beans and tons of vegetables. And, you know, I eat a lot of food. So mm-hmm. it's not I never felt like I was under fueled. And uh, it, it worked really well for me. The weight came off really quickly and I was just I was rapidly progressing. Mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest challenges um, with a diet like that or a fueling plan like that is just the discipline it requires to to get the, the proper food and get enough of it and to prepare it. And to, you know what I mean? If someone if I could snap my fingers and have, you know, the right meals in my hands three times a day, I would do it. I would probably be, uh-huh. I'd probably be a whole hundred percent whole food plant-based diet as well you know yeah i mean i i have to credit my wife like she was a tremendous support to me and she's brilliant in the kitchen and she really you know worked hard to make sure that you know we had lots of good food around and and she started to really try to take care of me in that regard and that was instrumental also so you don't eat any meat at all no 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 meat meat. yeah no 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 it's been 10 years now being Mm -hmm. plant-based mm-hmm that's good for the environment. Good job. It's, yeah, I think it, it's a it's a lifestyle that really checks all the boxes Goes because in. when you when you kind of canvas what's going on, you know, in America and across the world right now, we're in this insane, yeah. unspeakable healthcare crisis where one out of three Americans, you know, die of a heart attack, heart disease, and yeah. I don't know, something like seventy percent of Americans are obese or overweight. Diabetes rates are through the roof. I think like 30 to 50% of Americans are going to be diabetic or pre-diabetic by 2030. Yeah. It's crazy, it's right? Crazy. Meanwhile, we're decimating the environment and yeah. animal agriculture has a, a large role in, in, global in, warming, you know, yeah. in, in that. Yeah. So to be able to opt out of that and not do it from some kind of martyr perspective or right. deprivation oriented thing, but actually to feel great and be able to perform as an athlete, it just, it feels really good. No, that's, that's, Amazing. I love that. And, and it's such an, a powerful message. I mean, you're right. I mean, the, the, the way that we have evolved to eat in the last hundred years or probably less is not only killing the people eating it, but we're killing the planet, you know? Right. And, uh, yeah. And irrespective of whatever your dietary preferences are, I think we can all agree that factory farming is an abomination. Right. Uh, you know, nobody, nobody supports it. And yet this, it's so, systemic so how are we going to feed everyone in a more sustainable way when you know population is escalating it's it's a very real question that i think we need to be talking about and thinking about more yeah i agree i agree well it, it's promising to see that we can 3d print food now right and so it's, <laughs> it's possible that that technology will help us uh, you know create like the star trek replicator where you know we'll be able to you know, materialize a meal that won't, you know, have to cut down another hectare of the rainforest to feed more. Yeah. I think there's some really interesting innovations happening right now with companies like Beyond Meat and Hampton Creek and Impossible Foods that are really, you know, creating new ways of producing food. But I also think it's important for us to not, um, you know, relinquish our sense of personal responsibility either. You know, we can't just sit around and wait for somebody to fix the problem by Mm -hmm. creating a new technological innovation. Mm-hmm. I think we it's incumbent upon all of us to be more conscious of the decisions we're making with respect to how we spend our dollars. Yeah. 
for sure. Totally agree. Uh, one of the, the um, companies that I'm looking at and I just put a little bit of money into is called No Food, K-N-O-W. And it's it's essentially uh, bread made out of uh, chia, coconut oil, and um, almonds. There, there's literally not a single grain of any type of wheat in the bread, and and so they'll be having uh, you know pancakes and you know hamburger buns and and uh, you know little snack muffins, and it's terrific. So, oh, that's great! I hadn't I haven't heard of that. I'm gonna check that out. Yeah, that so K N O W Foods, and I'm really bullish on them. And one of my friends, Jesse Itler's, uh, Itzler, just put some money into it, and so all sorts of uh, things popping up. <laughs> you know Jesse? Yeah, I do know Jesse. Yeah. I love Jesse. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's great. I only publicly support companies and products that I personally use and have found valuable. So I wanted to tell you about Qualia. Now, I'm not a supplement geek. I don't find them useful if I'm fueling properly. But when it comes to my cognitive strength and brain health, I am excited about the emerging industry of nootropic supplements. I've been testing Qualia, designed by my friends at the Neurohacker Collective, for several months now. And it's on the bleeding edge of nootropic research and has become the one supplement that I won't go without on a daily basis. Qualia stimulates what's called broad-spectrum cognitive enhancement, which involves optimizing multiple cognitive variables simultaneously rather than focusing on a single variable. For example, it brings me greater ability to focus and makes me feel more connected while not diminishing my overall awareness of the environment. I experience a systematic enhancement of my brain's ability to take in and process information without any stimulating effect, which would make me feel agitated like caffeine, or depleted after the effect wears off. Now for a busy entrepreneur and athlete like me, it's a no-brainer to invest in my brain health with Qualia. You can get on the Qualia bandwagon with me by visiting neurohacker.com, that's N-E-U-R-O-H-A-C-K-E-R.com, and use the code UNBEATABLEMIND15R, that's UNBEATABLEMIND15R, to get 15% off the life of your order. Trust me on this one, you won't be disappointed with Qualia. Let's talk about um, training for an Ultra Ironman. You know, you said an Ultra Ironman is a, a, a 2X Ironman, or is it 3X? Yeah, so so what happened was I, you know, as I started to get fit and got excited about, you know, uh, connecting with my body once again, I was looking for a challenge. I just turned 40 and, you know, like a lot of guys, I thought, well, maybe I'll do an Ironman. You know, I start mulling that over mm-hmm. in my brain. And then I came, this is where it gets into SEAL stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I came across an article that described how this guy, David Goggins, who had just, you know, I'm sure your audience all knows who David is, but for maybe the three or four that don't, David is a remarkable human being who had been a football player and a power lifter and and really quite heavy uh, and decided that he wanted to honor the memory of some fallen brethren. Uh, He's a Navy SEAL, and, and he wanted to do that by tackling the 10 most difficult endurance challenges in the world. And this article was describing how he had just competed in this race called Ultraman and had done quite well, despite having lots of setbacks, including having to like tape his foot to the bicycle pedal and all kinds of craziness. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I was just fixing. I was fascinated by this story. I was fascinated by what David had done, but also by this race that I'd never heard of 
you know, I thought Ironman was the ultimate, mm-hmm. you know, in endurance challenges. And here was a race called Ultraman that's been around for, you know, I don't know, 30 years at this point, uh, but kind of under the radar, no media, no prize money, no mm-hmm. press, but it's quite an extraordinary thing. It's a three-day race where the, the first day you swim 6.2 miles in the ocean and then you ride your bike 90 miles. The second day, you race your bike 171 miles. And the third day, you run a 52.4 double marathon. And you right. circumnavigate the big island of Hawaii over that three-day period. So you get a little bit of sleep at night, though? Yeah, you get to sleep. It's like a stage race, oh, right, cool. each day. Got yeah. And I just couldn't believe that human beings could do something like that. But I, <laughs> I couldn't get it out of my mind. And it was like this switch got flicked. And I knew... Deep down, somehow I was going to find a way to the starting line of this race, mm-hmm. even though it made zero logical sense. And I had no resume to establish that I would be capable of doing something like this. But mm-hmm. it was like this. It, I can't describe it. It was just this deep knowing, like somehow I was going to figure out how to how to m- make my way to this race. And mm-hmm. so that's kind of how it began. But it really the spark was lit for me by David and what he had done. And to this day, you know, he, he remains, you know, I, I credit him with giving me the hope and the inspiration that I could do it and setting the example for me. So how did you learn, like, where did you go to, to learn how to train uh, for the swim, the bike, the run, you know, did you find a coach? Yeah, I I found a coach, you know, I found a coach who knew what he was talking about. I think, you know, we all need, we all need coaches and mentors Mm -hmm. for different facets of our life. And so I knew that I didn't know anything about how to do something like this. And if I had any chance at all of, you know, being able to accomplish something like that, that I was going to need some really smart guidance. So yeah, I hired a coach, a guy called Chris Halleth. I just had him on my pod, my podcast recently for people that want to check that out. And he very deftly guided me through the process of preparing my body to, to do something like that. And I learned, a, you know, a tremendous amount about not just endurance training from him, but just about life. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a, it's been a great relationship and I've been with him for many, many years. Hmm. So are you still racing right now or what, what's on your plate right now? No, I haven't raced in a couple of years, but, you know, I remain fit and I still train every day. And, for, you know, I just turned 50. So I got the wheels turning on trying to find another endurance challenge. Uh, so I haven't decided on anything right now, but I, I, you know, it's time for me to get back into it in some regard. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to, you know, try to revisit that. But yeah, I haven't raced since 2011. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Join the club. So the, the 50 and over, we need, we need like a whole different set of challenges to go after. Right. <laughs> I've got, I've got one for you. It's called Kokoro Camp. How about what that? is that? Tell me what that well, that's is. Our, that's our Seal Fit um, Hell Week kind of simulation. So it's, it's 50, hours, oh, yeah, yeah. 50 hours of nonstop training, which you would, you would have, have no problem doing. But what's neat about it is that it's really about the team. So, you know, um, I've had a lot of endurance athletes, guys who've done multiple Ironman and all sorts of stuff like that come in and, you know, there's such solitary, I mean, you have a team in terms of prep and everything, but once you're in the race, you're, you're there. It's just you and your, your thoughts and your emotions. And the way we designed Kokoro camp, Kokoro means heart in Japanese. It's a warrior term is that you can't possibly survive it. You, I mean, you can survive it, but you can't possibly thrive and get the full lessons out of it without asking for help and without re- needing help from your teammates. And so really it, like the first 24 hours, everyone was trying to navigate it and just figure out whether I can, you know, go for 50 hours without sleep and moving nonstop challenges. And then the second 24 hours becomes really joyous because you realize that with your team, you can accomplish pretty much anything. 
right? Like uh-huh. you said earlier, you're capable of so much more. And we say that we call that the 20x factor. You're capable of so much more, 20 times at a minimum. So uh, you should come to Kokoro Camp. We have two of them next year, <laughs> April All and right, October. I'll think about that. That's, that you, that's intriguing. Yeah. That's intriguing. You would enjoy it. And uh, every really a lot of like-minded uh, folks, um, you know, challenge it. And we say that there's life, you know, before Kokoro and then life after. Everything after is a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. You've got a new set point. So. I'll look. I'll look into that. <laughs> so let's talk about your professional life now. All all of this journey into um, you know vegan lifestyle and ultra endurance and extreme sports and self discovery. Um, you've kind of turned that around, and now you're sharing with your wisdom. Uh, so you've got a podcast. You've got this book called uh, Finding Ultra. I love these uh, the long subtitles. That our that our publishers, you know, make us put under it. So it's finding ultra, yeah, <laughs> rejecting middle age, becoming one of the world's fittest men, and then another book called Discovering Myself. So no, that's you, just uh, Discovering Myself is the end of the subtitle of that. First oh, it book. is. Oh, Find and Discovering Myself. Yeah. I, thought it was, yeah. I thought that was another book. So you wrote you wrote that book. When did you write that? How did you get that out there? Um, that came out in 2012. Okay. Uh, and yeah, so that's a memoir. It kind of tells the whole story through, you know, my, it's kind of three different books. It's a, it's a, an addiction recovery memoir. Hmm. It's also kind of an inspirational story of taking control of your, your life through the vehicle of ultra endurance sports through my Ultraman competitions and this mm-hmm. thing called Epic Five, where I did five Ironmans on five Hawaiian islands in a week. Nice. And then it's also kind of nutrition primer, like a lot of stuff on plant-based nutrition and how I made it work and continue to make it work. So, yeah, that came out in 2012. When I was writing that book, I was practicing law, training for Ultraman. I've got four kids. Mm. I was, like, handling a lot of stuff. So the day that book came out, I I stopped practicing law formally for good and just decided I was going to take this leap of faith and trying to – you know, craft a professional life around advocating these ideals that, you know, transform my life and Mm -hmm. and hopes that I can inspire and and educate and help other people to, you know, live more authentically and true to themselves. And so it was not a easy, it was very much a a challenging couple years there trying to make it work, especially with four kids and a mortgage and all of that. But now I, I have the great fortune to be able to to do it. And it's been, it's been really a beautiful journey for me. That is awesome. I love that story. So what's the, the center post of your current endeavors? Is it the podcast or speaking or what is it that, um, that you would say is your main thing right now? I think at my core, um, I'm, you know, if people ask me what I do, I say writer. So I'm working on a new book right now, but the podcast takes up a lot of my time. It's definitely the tip of the sphere in terms of, you know, creating the audience for the ideas that I'm putting out there. So I put a lot of time and effort into that. And as I'm sure you, you know, like it's just, it's a, it's really cool podcasting. You get to meet all these amazing people and, and, uh, it's benefited my life tremendously. And, and to be able to share that with other people is, is quite a gift. So, so the podcast and I travel quite a bit public speaking and we started doing retreats, my wife and I. So we're doing four international retreats a year, uh, where we take a group, a small group, like 40 people, and we put them through seven days of, you know, life transformative experiences yoga, meditation, uh, nutrition counseling, and workshops on, you know, creativity and relationships and the like. And 
we've done two two of those so far in Italy. We're going to Australia in February and then Ireland in July. So focused on that as well. So just it's not any one thing that I do. It's a whole multitude of things that kind of come together to make it all work. I love that. And I agree with you on the podcast. I, I was been having this kind of internal dialogue and also um Sometimes it, it leaks out when I whine about the amount of time <laughs> that the podcast takes. Yeah. Right. It's an enormous investment of time, but um, it, I always come back and say it's just incredibly worth it because of all the people I get to meet, you know, and it's, it's that part is yeah. really, really fun. Good job. Yeah. I think people don't real people don't realize how much time it takes when you really want to do it and do it well and do it right. No, it's, it's enormous. It's almost like a whole new business thing you got to set up and. And everyone's trying to get into podcasting, and I think you're right; they don't have any idea. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. to, to do it well. Is well, I started. I started mine, and I started mine in 2012. So I was hardly an early adopter, but it was it predated podcasting being cool. <laughs> I don't know when it suddenly became cool, and now everyone's doing it. And I, I think I'm, I reap the benefits of getting in a little bit earlier than a lot of people. But um, it's a beautiful medium, and it's great to see so many people. Uh, you know, finding a, you know, finding a voice and, and putting out, you know, cool content through, through audio. I think it's awesome. Yeah, no doubt. I agree. So what's, um, what's like your next big thing? You know, you're writing a book. What's, is that going to be kind of a, like a next generation of what you wrote before? Or has it got a new focus to it? Or? Yeah. I mean, my next big thing is really immersing myself in the next book project. And, and really the, the approach with that is going to be, taking the wisdom of all these amazing people that I've had on the podcast and trying to synthesize that into, you know, a digestible primer for how to, like I said earlier, you know, live more authentically and, and uh, live as healthy as possible in mind, body, and spirit. Terrific. Awesome. Well, we've been, uh, probably should wrap things up. I got to get rolling here and I know you got a lot going on. So people can find you at uh, richroll.com, right? R-O-L-L. Yep. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they can see you at Kokoro Camp next October. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right, man. I'm going to hold your feet to the fire. Yeah, I know. I can. I feel it. I'm, I'm feeling the pressure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, you need that physical challenge you just said. Well, well, this is something to consider. Kokoro Camp is not a physical challenge. I mean, it is, but it's not. As you know, you know, th- uh, we do these for different reasons. And so this is really more of a... It's more of a you know a spiritual journey, right? And Kokoro, yeah. you will tap into that Kokoro heart center and um, meet some extraordinary people who are on the same kind of journey. So I love that. That's what it's for me. That's what it's all about. You know, in in with Ultraman, it was the Hawaiian version of that, which is Ohana, which means family, right? And that that was a big allure for me to have this collective experience for self exploration. So. For me, it's all about that. That's the journey for me, and that's what's attractive to me. But I will tell you, my Achilles heel is sleep deprivation. That almost killed me during Epic Five. So that's the that's the hardest thing. The the, the actual like doing the the you know covering the distances and these things that I've done are not nearly as hard as trying to do it on no sleep. Well, you know, we talked earlier about the body's ability to accept new normal. It does the same thing mm-hmm. with sleep deprivation. But you got to really lean into it and go for uh, more than two days. You know, my I learned this in Hell Week uh, as a SEAL trainee. You know, by you know the first 24 hours were brutal. 48 hours was really tough. By the time we got to 72 hours, it started to get a lot easier. So, and uh-huh. just like you experienced, you know, with a, with an ultra race, you know, the first 
first one third is the hardest and then, and then your body right. just says screw it you know there's this is not going away i better get <laughs> right the right, right, right right so so yeah i mean you're not going to be performing surgery after three or four days without sleep but you can you know you can get through it and uh, when you got your team beside you and you're focusing on them instead of yourself then all of a sudden you know everything starts to come together and you start getting stronger it's a very cool experience uh-huh. yeah so sounds to me like that's a, that's an area that you will um you'll enjoy uh, your next wave of growth around. Yeah, all right. Uh, Allison has already got you enrolled, by the way. <laughs> You're coming at me hard. <laughs> I'm persistent, aren't I? <laughs> all right, buddy. Well, I'll leave that one to you. I, I won't uh, I won't force you to do it. Super cool to meet you. Uh, thanks again for your time. Sorry it took us three times to to get this uh, rolling, but. Uh, Really, really enjoyed uh, enjoyed the conversation, and I look forward to following up. And love to send you a copy of my book. I'd love to maybe get your address. Uh, Allison can get you, you know, your address, and I'll send you a copy of my book. And if yeah, there's anything I can man. do to help you out, let me know. All right. Well, I'd love to have you uh, sit down and do my podcast. I mean, we can make that happen. Oh, I'd love to. That'd be terrific. Yeah. Cool. I'll have Allison follow. All right, Mark. Nice to I meet you. Rich. Uh, Thanks yeah, for nice meeting you. All right. All right. Thanks, folks. Uh, Rich, thanks so much. Uh, super awesome to, to connect with you. You can um, find more about Rich at richroll.com. Go check out his book, uh, Finding Ultra. And um, I look forward to, to connecting more with Rich. And for all of you listening, thanks again so much for your support. Train hard, stay focused, do the work, and we'll see you next time. Hoo-yah. Coach Devine out. Explode, boys. Make sure you get home, boys. They got your back, the pride of the fleets, the bright swinging frogmen of the U.T.T. Oh.